Good morning, everyone. It is Thursday. No, I take it back. It's Friday. <laughs> Friday, November 16th, and this is Jeffy Kennedy here with my first cup of coffee. London fog, but you know who's quibbling. It's about 8.30 in the morning. I slept a little longer this morning. I stayed up a little later last night. And I did run this morning. I was a good kitty cat. Stayed up kind of late last night because once I got back from yoga and did some stuff like dishes, <laughs> David cooked dinner. That was nice. But then I needed to um, put in all of my proposals for workshops at the RWA conference in New York next summer. Uh, I hate filling out those things. <laughs> I I think I hate filling out anything in general, but proposing workshops is just, yeah, you know, the, the RWAs ones have gotten better, but they still say things like they want detailed outlines of the workshop. And I am just not detailed outline girl. So I frankly don't do them. <laughs> I did take a few of my presentations that I do have all the slides for and converted those into outline notes. Um, and that was all they got on that. I, I never get picked to do workshops at RWA. And I feel like this is probably a result of my not following the rules. I know that's irritating for people doing the selections that someone doesn't conform, but, um, I don't know. I'm in a curious place of that. I'll put it out there. If they want me to do something, I'll do it. I think I give really good workshops. People say I give good workshops. Um, but I'm not going to spend a huge amount of time putting together these detailed outlines and proposals for them. Uh, so they, I probably reap exactly what I sow on that. But so it goes. I confess I also have, I, I do try not to be a diva. Um, you know, I work against the ego stuff. But there are a few places where I start to feel ever so slightly prickly about it, where I get the, uh, I, I always imagine that there's a certain person in my mind, a certain side of myself who draws herself up with an indignant sniff. And says, don't you know who I am? Uh, <laughs> you know, of course, very, not everybody knows who I am. I'm not anyone all that special. But I do feel like I'm a reasonably successful author. And I feel like I have uh, good workshops to offer. And I'm not going to, uh, I don't know, beg Big to be recognized for that. Um, you know, of course, some of that is, you know, a lot of it's perception and who's who gets chosen. But it's funny because very often uh, the workshops are given by uh, writers who are not all that hugely successful in their writing careers, at least as far as I perceive it. I could be wrong there. Uh, but they, they, I think they probably put together like really good workshop outlines. Uh, so, ah, I know it's, you know, it's a funny thing 
that once you are a full-time writer, you have less time. It feels like maybe you have less energy, less mental energy for things like that. Um, I think, you know, so much of it goes towards the books. It has to go towards the books. So I, I kind of want to, I'll, I'll go through exercises like that. I proposed um, like five different things. And fortunately, a couple of other people asked to put me on their panels. So maybe they'll have done, <laughs> followed the format and done detailed outlines. Um, but I put in for several things. Um, Jennifer Eastep and I uh, offered to talk about um, doing multi-author anthologies, how you put those together. And I threw Thea Harrison on that panel too, because she sometimes goes to New York. I figured we'd cross that bridge when we came to it, because I know she'd probably do it if we got the panel. <laughs> I just made that. I was going to email her and I thought, eh, I'll just put her on there and if, she can't do it. She can't, and we could always find someone else. But um, so I think that'd be a great workshop. And then I also proposed one that Jennifer and I had been talking about on great minds think alike. What happens when you duplicate stories or characters with other authors? Um, that happened with us, where uh, amusingly enough, we had she had a major character with the same name as one of my fictional kingdoms in the Orchid Throne. And she blurbed Orca Throne for, for me. And so she read an arc back in October. And she emailed me and she said, Hey, you know how you've named your kingdom this? Well, I have a character named that. And I said, Well, I didn't think that it was any big deal. And she said, Well, the thing is, is that another author had contacted her with a similar issue and had pointed out that if either of you end up selling film rights, that that can end up becoming a trademark issue, which I thought was an interesting point. So Jennifer, being a lovely person, offered to change the name of her character. And, you know, I said, you don't have to. But she said, well, she would. And I said, well, thank you, because I had gone through about a dozen different iterations of that kingdom name before finally settling on that one, and that one I really loved. And if she had wanted me to change it, I would have. I probably would have done it, but I wouldn't have been happy because I think that's the perfect name. And she agreed, actually, that it was a better kingdom name for me than a character name for her. So she just made a minor change on it. But I offered to do that workshop, kind of a different topic. So, And then I also proposed um, my the workshops that I've given before on world building and uh, the Taoist... Uh, being a Taoist in the keeping your sanity in the publishing business. And, oh, and then my workshop on sexual tension. So we'll see. We'll see. Probably none of them will get accepted as per usual. Um, at least they don't send me snotty comments saying things like, <laughs> next time put together a detailed outline because, you know, I wouldn't. That happened to me on another conference, too, where I said that uh, Grace is going to go be the keynote speaker at Emerald City Writers Conference next year. And so I had emailed the conference coordinator and said, hey, my friend Grace is going to be there. And I've always heard good things about Emerald City Writers Conference. So I thought, you know, I I could come to the conference. And, and she 
replied to me in a couple of funny ways. First of all, she said, oh, I know what you mean. I'll cross the country to see my favorite authors. And I was like, well, that that was when my, my internal self drew herself up with a sniff and said, don't you know who I am? I mean, I love Grace's writing, but uh, mostly it's to hang out with her as a friend, you know. And <clears throat> and then that gal told me that, uh, oh, well, that their uh, workshop proposal system will be open in whenever. I don't even remember. I didn't even put it in my head. And that I could fill out their form then. So, of course, I immediately thought, no, no, I don't want to fill out your form. Don't make me fill out your form. So, <laughs> I probably won't. Uh I am lazy. I am lazy that way. Um, I don't like applying for things. And I guess I feel like at a certain point in your life, you shouldn't have to apply for stuff anymore. You know, especially if it's something that's more or less your area of expertise, right? You should get a pass on that. You know, it's like if I wanted to uh, go to school to learn to be a musician or if I wanted to... um, become an astronaut or something. I could totally see having to apply for those programs. But, you know, when it's something where I'm already a relative expert, I just, I hate going through those contortions. I'm too much vanity, perhaps. Vanity, vanity, all is chasing after the wind. Um, I didn't get tons yesterday, but I got a good chunk done. I got a thousand words done in the first hour, which is a nice... Uh, record for me. I I track my averages for the the one hour writing sprints and I got, usually I'm, I think my current average is somewhere around 680 something for that first hour. And then it'll go up. The second hour is usually the highest, the third hour a little bit lower and it trails off from there. Uh, Those fourth and fifth hours, the data's not great because in those I'm often stopping because I've hit word count. So they're sort of falsely lower. Um, but I think that the data on those first three hours is very interesting. Uh, that first hour, I'm clearly just ramping up and getting going. Uh, so yesterday, I did get over a 1,000 words in that first hour that I worked. And then I didn't have much time before I had to walk away from my computer, as I promised myself, and go get ready. And David had come home, so I went and talked to him for a few minutes. And then I ended up being gone all day. So met Sage and Jim for lunch. And uh, Sage Walker is the author of The Man and the Tree, a wonderful sci-fi book about generationship. And then Jim, of course, is my collaborator on Twin Star. Yesterday he proposed a whole new naming concept for this collaboration, I really like it. In fact, I think I'm going to email that to Agent Sarah this morning and see what she thinks. Sage said something very interesting yesterday. Sage has been around for a very long time. Uh, She's uh, in her upper 70s, I think. And she, uh, she, uh, she says she knows where all the skeletons are buried in New Mexico. She does. She always has the best gossip. She could tell you anything about any of the authors, and a lot of them sort of the old guard, the old sci-fi guard. But she said something about that all books are, that was David's little Uber alert, 
David wants you to follow his Uber ride. Not now, David. It is kind of a cool thing, though. I can look and see where his car is. Uh, but Sage said that, especially back in the day when it was possible to read everyone in the field, where the field was small enough that you really could read everybody, that people did, and that writing a book was sometimes a conversation. And I love that idea, that it's a conversation. And I think that's very true. We were talking about how this one author, I think I've talked about it on here before. I've certainly blogged about it. Um, in fact, I'm just going to say who it is because, I mean, she said this on a panel at Bubonicon, and it's a, I never know how to pronounce her name, though. It's C.J. Sharia, Sharia, Sharia. Um, you know who I mean, though, author of fantasy. So the moderator had asked the panelists, um, what do they read? What, who were their favorite authors or what were they currently reading or who were their influences? And she said, I'll let you in on a dirty secret of authors is that we don't read. She said, and we certainly don't read within our genre because we're also terrified of stealing from each other. And it was an extraordinary thing to say. Extraordinary. Um, <coughs> and I mean, my eyebrows climbed up into my hairline. I, I really don't like it when people make pronouncements and say, oh, this is how authors are. This is our dirty secret. And here's the thing that none of us are telling you. It's like, no, I'm not saying that because that is just flat not true for me. Um, first of all, I highly mistrust any writer who says that they don't read. How can you be a writer and not read? Um, writers are, are readers first. We become writers because we love stories, because we love to read. Uh, I know that there's a lot of competing attention out there, com sorry, competition for your attention out there. And a lot of entertainment is easier now to consume than reading a book is. Reading takes a bit more work. But... <laughs> If you want to be a writer and you're not reading, I, I highly mistrust that. Um, it's You're coming out of a vacuum. Uh, and also, you know, you don't be terrified of stealing people's ideas. You know, it's, it's like these guys who say that they're a terif terrified of being accused of rape. It's like, well, don't go out and rape people then. You know, don't do anything that's, <laughs> that's uh, well, we won't go there, but. You know, it's like if you're afraid of being accused of doing something, don't do the thing. Uh, ideas are easy to come by. And when you read, it all goes into a big stew. And sure, maybe some similar ideas rise out of that, sort of like the Great Minds Think Alike panel. But that's because, you know, we're all people and there's only so many stories in the world. Wow. Uh, in the bar afterwards, as we were discussing this, uh, one of the other gals said, we are rich because we steal from the best houses. And I love that. I think that's great. Um, yeah, you, you, read your, you read the good authors. You read your favorite authors. You read the ones who fill your well and excite you. And then you transform those ideas. 
And so Sage, when we were talking about this, Sage saying, yes, it's like a conversation. That really rang true for me. And we were talking about the Sorceress Moons books that I'm working on now. And I was explaining to them, neither she nor Jim have read those. And I was sort of explaining what they were about. And I was saying how um, that Chufta, the darkest eye familiar of Arias, um, is essentially my fire lizard that I always wanted my own fire lizard, and I wanted to write a book with a fire lizard um, from Anne McCaffrey's Pern books. And and Sage said, see, that's your part of the conversation. You know, and even though Anne McCaffrey is gone, uh, yeah, it is. That's that's my version of the fire lizard, and in a way I'm I'm answering this thing that she lit up for me and handed to me and made me excited. And it's not stealing. It's, you know, I mean, if if I, like, copied her plot and if I had, if I called Chupta a fire lizard and had them performing exactly the same way and do the same things, maybe. But, you know, there's all these people out there, you know, who are like, how many people have stolen Bram Stoker's Dracula, right? I mean, it goes back to, you know, oral histories and legends and mythology of that region. But, you know, sometimes I have people ask me, you know, like, well, what are the rules for vampires drinking blood? And what can, can vampires see themselves in the mirror or not? You know, and it's like, well, Bram Stoker decided that they couldn't, you know. And so did we steal that? Because, you know, people will say, well, these are the rules for vampires. And it's like, well, I hate to break it to you, but, you know, a vampire really is a fictional creature. So any rules associated with how vampires are or are not are made up. You know, until you show me one in the lab and give me empirical data on them, then we are going with that we've all agreed on a certain set of rules. And we we lift those from each other. Another way that I've heard it put is that we stand on the shoulders of giants. So, you know, the science fiction and fantasy writers of the past who have built certain worlds and tropes and ideas about how things work, we then build on that. And we can because it becomes part of the common cultural conversation. Uh, You know, like that we have an idea about how vampires behave or how a pegasus might behave or how a fairy might be um, or a fire lizard. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, some people, I, I can't hear the word homage anymore without thinking of, what's his name, Chris Angel, because he had that in his TV show all the time, my homage which he had to say in sort of that very pretentious way. But there isn't a huge difference, is there, once you get past a certain point between homage and theft. And to me, it all comes down to intention. If you know you're stealing something, if you're deliberately stealing something, well, then don't. but if there's an idea that excites you when you want to riff on it, then heck, I mean, that's what all art is about. Um, that's that's why we do it. So on that note, I think I shall move along. 
and hope to get some things done today, get some more words down. Hope you all have a wonderful Friday, a fantastic weekend, and thank you for sharing my first cup of coffee with me. Bye-bye.